Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Oz to Minimus Project. This episode contains content of an adult nature and is not suitable for very young persons. All information discussed on this episode is meant for education, affirmation and empowerment purposes only. So if discussions of sex and intimacy for those living with a stoma is offensive to you, please feel free to tune out of this episode and select one that is to your liking. Thank you. The Ostomy Nurse Project. Hello everybody and welcome as usual to the Ostomy Nurse Project. I'm Felicity, your host, and in this episode we're going to be getting a little bit intimate and we're going to be talking about sex, sexual relationships and intimacy for people who live with a stoma or people who live with someone who has a stoma or people who have sexual or intimate encounters with someone who has a stoma. So this episode we're going to be covering quite a lot of information. So we're going to start out by talking about the physical aspects of stoma surgery and the implications for that on a person's sexual function, their reproductive system, and how these changes, depending on the type of operation that you've had, can affect your sex life or your ability to perform sexually or issues with intimacy and being able to become intimate with somebody after having these surgeries which change your physicality. We're also going to be covering things like different techniques, so positions, clothing, diet, things to contemplate if you are in a sexual relationship with someone who has a stoma or if you have a stoma yourself and you're just wanting to learn how to navigate around getting used to being intimate with someone when you have a bag attached to the abdomen. We're also going to be discussing the implications for different people who are in different relationships. So things like for singles, whether or not to tell somebody um, that you've just met, whether you have a stoma or not. And we're going to be talking about gay relationships and the implications of having a stoma on same-sex couples. We're also going to be talking about people who are in long-term relationships and, and how to learn to rediscover each other again in an intimate way after having these surgeries, how to support one another in a relationship relationship and still find each other desirable and attractive and also learning to cope and deal with the psychological aspects of these physical changes before becoming intimate again or learning to rediscover yourself as a sexual person after having stoma surgery. And then all of that's really going to lead us into the discussion about practicing safe sex. And that's not the type of safe sex that you're thinking of when you're sitting in year nine in a classroom and we discuss anatomy and physiology of penises and vaginas. It's going to be talking about practicing both physical and emotional safe sex and the things that you need to contemplate in order to get back into a sexual relationship with your partner or approaching sex in a very healthy way that protects you and the people around you so that you can have a loving and intimate relationship with people after having stoma surgery. So that's all going to be coming up in this episode all about sex and living with a stoma. Now, one of the reasons that it's really difficult to talk about sex and intimacy when people are having stoma surgery is that 
at the time of needing a stoma, sex is often not the topic at hand. It is not your main priority when you are faced with the decision as to whether or not to undergo stoma surgery. Or even people that have stomas formed in an emergency uh, where there is no consultation, it just happens. The idea or, or having a stoma and living with a stoma does not immediately prompt one to say, hmm, I'm never going to be able to have sex again. And in these times, a lot of the patients, particularly the ones that I see, are often dealing with the major illnesses that result in stomas. So things like cancer or inflammatory bowel disease. And so in the initial stages, if I do get to see a patient preoperatively, there's a lot of questions around the stoma surgery itself. And sex and intimate relationships is not something that people are ready or willing to talk to about. To a complete stranger, let's face it, in the first preoperative meeting, you're not going to walk into a, a, an office and say to your nurse, now I want to talk to you about sex. It's just not how it goes. And it's, it's always on the back of people's minds. They're just trying to get past the trauma of having to undergo surgery or having undergone surgery. They've woken up with a stoma. Their stoma nurse is facing them and talking about recovery. And there's a lot to cover from a stoma nurse point of view in the short time that we get with patients that have stomas. You may be in hospital for perhaps a week to 10 days at the very most, sometimes even less. And so education and counselling and things like that is all centred around getting you used to using your pouches, how to care for your stoma and the medical, surgical and physical recovery after these operations. So it's not like we get a lot of chance to talk to you about sex in those initial stages. And it's not something that people particularly want to open up about anyway. It does come up in some conversations. And then once you're discharged from hospital and you're managing your stoma on your own, a lot of people don't often feel like they can get back in touch with their stoma nurse or talk to a professional about sex. I can categorically tell you that I have never had a patient ring me up six or seven months down the track and say, I would like to make an appointment to come in and talk to you about sex. It just doesn't happen. And so a lot of the time people are left a little bit in the dark. Um, there's reports of people saying no and sex was never discussed. Um, and a lot of people are in situations where they tend not to worry about sex. You know, many people are in relationships where sex is not a priority in their relationship. And so it may just never come up. And this is where podcasting is really, really great. And you find that there's a lot of really great videos and uh, information online from people living with stomas that do talk about sex and how these people cope with living with a bag and the relationships that they do have. And that's fantastic. And I am actually going to point out a few of them later on in this episode so that you can jump online and have a look at them if you're a person wanting information other than listening to a podcast. But I guess the overall theme of, of especially talking about this episode is that regardless of our, our race, our sexual orientation, our, our gender, sexual relationships and intimacy are very important and fulfilling aspects of our lives. And your attitude to sex, whether stoma or no stoma, is a key factor in reestablishing your sexual expression for people in this situation. It is our sexuality that makes us feel whole and it makes us feel normal and desirable and lovable. But what can happen in many situations is that anything associated with a stoma, so wearing a bag, having poop come out of your tummy, having wee come out of your tummy, those sorts of different changes 
can actually prevent people uh, with a stoma or people in relationships with someone with a stoma from just relaxing and enjoying the actual experience of sex and being intimate. Those over the those overbearing ideas about the bag and you know navigating around the bag, getting used to the bag, all those sorts of thoughts can actually hinder you in releasing yourself and becoming sexual and intimate and those sorts of things. And that can create a lot of apprehension and anxiety for people, um, particularly in those situations where one or both of you might be worried about what if the bag leaks or what if my partner doesn't find me attractive because I've got this bag of poo stuck to me or um, is this position going to make the bag make noises or those sorts of things. And they're all really relevant things to contemplate. for anybody, I mean, anybody in any sort of sexual encounter is going to be nervous and thinking about those sorts of things. But the added uh, concept of having a bag there will make you think or pay attention to that bag and not the overall experience or the sexual nature of the enjoyable encounter that you're having. Now, anyone, regardless of, again, whether they have a stoma or not, experiences sexual difficulties or apprehensions at any time during their life and these issues and these problems may be either physical or emotional problems it can be both and unfortunately a lot of the time people don't discuss this um, with their significant other or their partners let alone with professionals or nurses that may be able to impart wisdom or advice or helpful hints to help try and alleviate these problems for the person. So with ostomy surgery or having a stoma done, there are definitely some physical changes, absolutely emotional changes, um, that's a given, but there are physical changes that can have a direct impact on your sexual functioning. And I want to talk about those because there are certain um, types of operations that can alter the way that we experience sexual arousal, um, orgasm, and the ability to perform sexually. So one of the questions I do get asked uh, by quite a few people is, am I going to be able to have sex? You know, is, do I work normally down there? And the short answer is, well, yes, but there are different operations that can alter the pelvic space, the reproductive organs, and that can have a physical change in the way that you perceive sex or particularly penetrative sex. So just starting to talk about initially things like chemo and radiation. Radiation in particular, and I'm only going to give you a few examples, but the examples are are very vast. For ladies who are having pelvic radiation, say for instance for uh, rectal cancer, low rectal cancer, or somewhere in the pelvis, the effects of radiation, uh, which if you've listened to the Ostomy Nurse Project episode all about radiation with a stoma, it talks about the fact that radiation damages and, and causes scarring to a lot of the pelvic organs and pelvic tissues, wherever that radiation is directed towards. So when you have radiation, it can penetrate through the uterus, it can penetrate through the vagina, it can penetrate through any tissue that is getting to the area that needs to be targeted by radiation. So that in itself can cause scarring to the 
wall of the vagina. And what happens is the vagina tissue, um, instead of being a smooth and elastic tissue, it can become scarred. And that can actually affect sexual performance because with scarring, the tissue becomes fibrotic or really stiff. And that can mean that uh, sexual penetration in terms of ladies who have had radiation can be quite painful for some people. And it's not uncommon for ladies that are undergoing deep pelvic radiation to be given things like uh, vaginal dilators to be able to keep that tissue elastic and able to function in a normal fashion so that people can preserve their sexual activities um, and not be in uh, acute pain when they are having sex. That's a really real thing. And I know there's probably people sitting there giggling and sniggering um, by listening to the term vaginal dilators. But it is a reality that with, with zapping these tissues with radiation, the scarring that can be caused can actually close up those tissues of the vagina and make them very stiff and rigid so that they don't perform effectively uh, in a sexual way. So sex for some people who have had radiation can be very painful and difficult for them. So that may be one of the physical changes that people might have if you've undergone a course of pelvic radiation therapy. So that's one aspect. Another aspect is to do with the type of surgery that you've had that's resulted in a stoma. So let's take, for example, the case of an APR or an abdominoperineal resection where the lower rectum and the anus is removed, the bottom is stitched closed, and the result is an end colostomy or a stoma on the tummy. So for men or women, um, either in uh, same-sex relationships or heterosexual relationships, the loss of the rectum and the anus can actually uh, pose difficulties and changes in the in women, in particular, the direction of the pelvic organs that surround that. So in the absence of having a rectum behind perhaps the vagina and the womb, the vagina can in fact change direction or tilt in a particular direction without the rectum being behind it to keep it in its normal anatomical position. And so penetrative sex in particular for people who have had an APR or any other bowel surgery where the rectum has been removed, so there's an empty space there, can be slightly different. It can be painful. And there may be uh, nerve and sensory changes that might alter the way that we perceive sex when you've had an APR or you've had your rectum and anus removed. And particularly for people who are in perhaps homosexual or gay relationships, for men, penetrative sex can mean no more in these instances. And so that can have really devastating consequences for some people who have these types of surgeries. And it ultimately changes sex for them forever. Now, that's not to say that gay relationships can't involve very satisfying sexual experiences. They can, and I'm going to talk about that a little bit later in the episode. But the idea is that if you're obviously having certain parts of you removed, that will ultimately change the way that you identify with someone or the way that you connect with someone sexually. Now, another operation or another example I can give is for people who have uh, what we call uh, ileal conduit surgery. So in the case of a gentleman who's had perhaps what we call a cystoprostatectomy, where both the bladder and the prostate is removed, whilst the surgeons do often try to do a nerve sparing operation where you can retain the, the nerve endings and the sensation in the pelvis, sometimes that's not possible. And in removing the prostate, that often makes changes in the nerve function and that can result in erectile dysfunction, the inability to perform sexually for men in particular. 
And that can pose really big emotional problems for men, particularly younger men who are still quite sexually active, facing the fact that having urostomy surgery, if you have your prostate removed, can leave you sexually impotent is a huge thing to to contemplate. And then lastly, even something as simple as medications, depending on uh, the reason for you having stoma surgery or if you are living with someone that has stoma surgery, certain medications can have an effect on sexual function as well, not just the aspects of dealing with the stoma. So for some people, um, you know, taking medications that dry out the mucosal membranes, such as octreotide and and those sorts of drugs, loperamide, gastrostop, that are drying you out, um, can have an effect on the mucous membranes, which in particular affect the, the vaginal canal and things like that. So again, sex can be uncomfortable or different uh, with an altered sensation for some people who take medications when they live with a stoma or if they've had an operation that has resulted in a stoma and the drugs and medications that they have to take following on from that may change sexual function and make it different for some people. So that's just a a small group of situations that may affect sexual function for people who live with a stoma and their their relevant partners. It's not uh, conclusive, it doesn't cover everything, but it just gives you an idea that there are certain types of stoma operations or there's certain effects from different treatments that can cause alterations and changes in sexual function for some people. And I go back to the fact that it's not always a permanent change and there are always ways around these problems that can lead to people developing really healthy and positive sexual relationships with people despite these problems that they do face when they've had stoma surgery. Now because of the implications of these potential problems or the implications of stoma surgery itself on a person's sexual expression or the way that they feel about themselves, it becomes very important that these people guard themselves and practice safe sex in a way that is going to keep you healthy and happy and not cause problems with your physical, emotional and sexual desirability. So before, when I said we were going to talk about practicing safe sex, safe sex is not like the type of safe sex that we learn about in school. So normally when we have sex ed classes, we talk about on the prevention of sexually transmitted diseases, pregnancy and such and such. And we play with things like putting condoms onto bananas and things like that. So while this is definitely a very important part of practicing physically safe sex, What that doesn't take into account is that there is a necessity to practice emotionally safe sex. And it's not uncommon for people to, stoma or no stoma, for people to find themselves in an emotionally unsafe sexual relationship. It happens to all of us at some stage. These types of relationships often leave us feeling uh, heartbroken and vulnerable and sometimes in an emotionally unsafe relationship, whether it's a long-term relationship or a one-night stand, these relationships can leave us vulnerable, they can leave us hurt and they can leave us with a sensation that we are less than the person that we are. And that sensation can be particularly heightened for people with a stoma because of their self-perception being altered as it already is. So you are already an emotionally vulnerable person having gone through these physical changes. So opening yourself up and, and being open with somebody about your stoma surgery and getting into a sexual encounter 
with your stoma can leave you open to things like physical criticism, um, the perception that you are unclean or dirty in some way or not able to function sexually as you once did. There's always a negative perception from some people, not everybody, that you are less of a person because there is less of you in your body having been removed and a stoma created. Now, I want to stress importantly that trust and consent and safe emotional sex is a right that we have. It is not something we should strive for. It is a right that we have. And so when I talk to people about whether or not they should tell their new partner or a random partner about their stoma or not, it depends on the context of what they want and what they desire from that connection or that encounter, because that will determine how safely you practice sex to protect yourself emotionally as well as physically. Now, I'm going to give you an example of, of what I mean by that. So um, a couple of years ago, I had a patient who was sleeping with their ex-partner and they were sleeping with their ex-partner and it was quite a toxic relationship it was quite a destructive relationship the patient didn't want to be with that partner but they continued sleeping with that partner because they felt that a they could not move on and find a new partner that would desire them with their stoma and they felt safer being in a negative relationship with somebody that didn't care so much about their stoma than they were about the importance of finding someone that truly valued them for the person that they were. And so that's just an example of the types of, of negative situations that we can put ourselves in sexually when we deserve so much more. Just because we have a stoma, we sometimes submit ourselves to something less than what we deserve through fear of never finding the real positive thing that we do truly deserve and that we are truly worthy of. Now, the, the second thing that I want to talk about within that is the importance of practicing consent, not just implying consent, but practicing consent. Consent is mandatory for any sexual encounter. And I can't stress that enough, whether it's the first time that you are sleeping with someone or it is a husband that you have been married to for 60 odd years. Consent to sexual practice is mandatory. And to be able to give and practice consent every single time, you have to be able to communicate honestly. And communication is one of the most important parts or features about having a healthy sexual relationship, particularly for people who live with a stoma or for people who are in a relationship with someone that has a stoma. Because we are not mind readers. We cannot assume to know what the other person is thinking. So if we don't communicate our thoughts and our desires and our feelings about what's going on with our bodies, then we cannot just assume that the other person is going to to reciprocate with what we're offering. So if you haven't spoken to your partner about uh, the fact that you are not feeling sexually desirable because you have a stoma now, your partner may think that everything is fine. And so sexual practices, if you are avoiding sex, can have an effect on that other partner. They may not know why you are feeling apprehensive about having sex. They may not know that you have these feelings or these emotions about yourself. 
And on the other end of the scale, if you are feeling sexually desirable with your stoma, I applaud you first up, high fives to you, but you need to communicate to that partner because if you've been through an illness in which sex has not been a priority, to all of a sudden turn around and expect sex to happen again, but not communicate that to your partner, the partner is not going to know. You can't just climb on top and assume that everything's going to be fine. It doesn't work that way. So communication really is the epitome of developing a healthy sexual relationship with someone. And that brings us to the question of whether or not to tell somebody that you have a stoma or not. And it's a question that I do get asked, particularly by a lot of young people um, with the incidences of inflammatory bowel diseases and people having stomas, both permanent and temporary. A lot of younger people are coming through my doors and asking questions like, do I have to tell the other person that I have a stoma? And now the short answer to that is no, you do not have to communicate to somebody whether or not you have a stoma. But you do need to be prepared for the consequences if it turns out that that partner finds out that you do in fact have a stoma. And that brings me to the next point about practicing emotionally safe sex is that the information that you do or do not disclose can depend largely on what it is that you want out of the relationship. So if you are wanting a one night stand with somebody that you potentially will never see again, so perhaps a random Tinder date or something like that, and you do not want to disclose to them that you have a stoma, you are well within your rights to keep that to yourself because you are not seeking anything in addition to that one night stand. And that is perfectly acceptable in practicing emotionally safe sex and protecting yourself in disclosing things that you want known and not disclosing things that you don't want known. However, if you are looking to get into long-term relationships or if that relationship that started as a one-night stand blossoms into something more, it is advisable as you become more emotionally connected to that person to become open with them. And as you become more comfortable with a person and you develop that trust, you can then choose an appropriate time to tell them about your stoma. Not when they force you to, but when you feel comfortable. And only you can determine when you are comfortable talking to that person about your situation. Now, do not, do not, and I say this emphatically, do not decide to tell your partner that you have a stoma mid-coitus. It will never end well by getting midway through and saying to your partner, hey, check out my friend down here, what do you think? I cannot stress that enough. It is not an opportune time to disclose your stoma to somebody when you are in the throes of sexual passion. Wait to tell them at a time that is comfortable for both of you, not mid-coitus. So either tell them beforehand and see how that relationship goes or tell them at a time that's more convenient when you are not having sex. That's just my little Oz to me nurse tip for the day. Another point about emotionally safe sex, do you know your boundaries within this relationship? Have you communicated or expressed those boundaries to that other person? Now, if you don't feel comfortable telling somebody that you are not okay with something that's going on, then having sex with that person can become very dangerous and very emotionally unsafe and also physically unsafe. So having sex with someone that makes you feel like you don't have the ability to speak out is extremely unhealthy and negative. And that comes down again to consent, which is, as I mentioned, a human right. 
and you have the right to say no to anything at any time. So in the, ter- in the context of having a stoma, there are certain practices or there may be certain questions that somebody may ask. There may be certain activities or even some type of sexual positions that somebody might want to experiment with with you during sex that you may not be comfortable with. But make sure before you establish sexual activity that you are able to express what you want and what you don't want. Because again, if you cannot communicate the boundaries or the hard limits of where you're willing to go in this sexual relationship, then perhaps they are not, in fact, the right partner for you to be choosing at that point in your life. So that pretty much sums up the sexual education lesson of this episode that talks about practicing emotionally as well as physically safe sex. Just on a physical note, please, I encourage you to continue to practice safe sex physically. So protect yourself from sexually transmitted infections and pregnancy if that's something that you want to avoid. Having stoma surgery will certainly not preclude you from contracting diseases from people. So that's my second disclaimer for the day. Always practice physically as well as emotionally safe sex. Now on to the fun part, which is talking about tips and techniques for having sex when you have a stoma. A lot of the questions I get asked uh, quite awkwardly from a lot of people is, so how is it going to work? Is the bag going to be flapping around everywhere? Is it going to leak? Is it going to smell? How do I keep it out of the way? All those sorts of questions are very valid questions that I do get asked a lot. And so we're going to be talking about different ways to either keep the bag uh, protected and out of the way, how to cover up the bag completely, and even things like um, eating certain foods and avoiding certain things so that you can have a enjoyable sexual encounter. So initially, one of the problems that people seem to think that they have when they have a stoma is the lack of spontaneity, because often when you are getting into these situations where you might be about to have sex, you need to very discreetly excuse yourself and go to the bathroom and empty your bag, because not many people are going to feel sexy or comfortable with having sex with a full bag, either with poo or with urine. It's just not going to help you um, feel sexual desirable and that's an evolutionary thing where we as mammals try to defecate as far away from ourselves as possible it was an evolutionary protection mechanism to uh, stay away and avoid predators but as millions of years have gone on and we've progressed and that sort of thing the idea of having our own excrement stuck to us does not bode well for a sexual experience So what we often say is make sure you empty your bag before sex so that you have a completely empty pouch and you don't have to worry about any sloshing sounds from urine or from the squishiness of a full bag um, when you are in certain sexual positions because that can be quite uncomfortable. And so the focus will become more on the fullness of the bag than it will be about the experience that you're having. So that's tip number one. Tip number two is some of the pouches that you wear have an additional, uh, say, little piece of Velcro or clip or an attachment where you can fold your bag up and secure it out of the way so that it becomes shorter and it's not dangling down or flapping around um, your waist or your groin or your pelvis because some of these bags can actually be quite large and depending on where the location of your stoma is, these bags 
can sometimes get in the way. So from a product point of view, some pouches, not all of them, have the ability to be folded up and secured out of the way so that they're like folded in half. And that will keep things out of the way long enough for you to do the deed. And then afterwards, you can obviously just let it back down and empty the bag in a normal fashion. Now, for products that don't have the ability to be folded up, some people feel quite comfortable getting a little piece of tape or adhesive so that they can fold their pouch up and just secure it out of the way with a little small piece of tape that they can remove afterwards. And that's perfectly reasonable as well. If you want to do that to make sure that your pouch is up and out of the way so it's not getting in the way during sex, you can certainly do that. One of the other options, which I'm actually going to talk about a bit later in the episode, is the use of support garments and waistbands um, that can be used to actually cover the bag completely so that it is secured, out of the way, not going to move around, and you cannot visually see those bags when they're hidden under these garments. But I am going to talk about it at the end because what I do want to talk about is the fact that there are certain positions um, of a sexual nature that you can get into so that the bag is not flapping around or moving around or on show per se as much as other positions so that's things like what they call the missionary style position where the lady is on uh, on the bottom and the gentleman is on top that can create some sort of apprehension for some people because you have a person laying on top of the bag that may not be something that people with a stoma feel overly comfortable with and vice versa in certain positions if it's perhaps a gentleman that has a stoma and he is the person that's lying down and the female is on top or the other partner is on top that can create some sort of apprehension as well because it's like you're looking down at that bag so always bear in mind that the positions that you get yourself into can either cause the bag to move around a little bit more or they may present the bag um, as being more uh, visually open or conspicuous or being able to see the bag a bit more. And if that's something that concerns you, try positions where either the bag is not able to be seen, so perhaps the other partner that doesn't have the stoma is uh, at the back of you so that they can't see the bag, or perhaps turning around into the opposite position, so facing away from the other person can help, um, or even sideline positions where there's less movement of the bag per se, um, but the person can still not see it when they're behind you. So they're just some tips and tricks in terms of positions that you may want to try to reduce the bag moving as well as reducing the opportunity for the bag to be fully on show if you're not quite comfortable with the other person seeing the bag. Now tip number three is actually a diet related thing and to do with certain foods and medications that can actually either um, increase your output, increase gas or flatus or odor, as well as medications that can help to slow down your output so that your bowel is not going to be overly active in the middle of having sex. So in some situations, when I mentioned before about having to get up and empty your bag, which can kind of kill the passion for some people, sometimes you can take medications such as loperamide, which is gastrostop, um, or other uh, slowing motility drugs that can actually slow down the amount of time that it takes for the bag to fill up. It slows down your bowel motility. So depending on how long you're planning on spending with that person um, and kudos to you guys if you want to have a very long sexual encounter but you can take these gastrostop tablets or these loperamide drugs to slow down the bowel output if you're concerned that your bowel's going to be overly active if you're about to have sex with somebody 
It's available at the pharmacist and over the counter. Um, it's also available in some of your local supermarkets or grocery stores, depending on where you reside. So if that's something that concerns you and you're worried about the bowel being active during sex, you can make dietary changes as well as possibly taking medication to slow down the bowel. In terms of diet, if you've heard the Ostomy Nurse Project episode that talks about diet and foods and the changes that certain foods can make on your bowel habits, things like uh, fish, dairy, uh, those sorts of things can increase odour, um, particularly with a urostomy. Obviously, we know the old tale. If you eat a lot of asparagus, that can make a certain odour. It's not that you're going to be emptying your bag around the person, but if you are concerned about odour from your bag, to alleviate that apprehension when you're about to have sex with somebody, you can learn to avoid those foods that will cause additional smell. The same goes for gas. There are certain foods that can cause additional wind. Uh, that's things like cauliflower, cabbage, carbonated drinks, beer, all those sorts of things that will introduce or increase the amount of gas that you have. Um, you may want to avoid those if you're about to hook up with somebody or if, you're, if you know that sex is on the cards, you may choose not to eat those foods. If you don't mind having gas in between the sheets, so if your stoma happens to make a bit of noise during these sexual encounters, which you can't stop because you can't hold it in when you have a stoma, you may choose to avoid eating those foods. If it doesn't bother you, hey, go for it. Kudos to you guys as well. Thumbs up. But if that is a concern for you, then make sure that you simply avoid those foods before getting into any sexual activity or sexual encounters. So that's my little tip about food and diet and things that you can do to slow down the bowel and, and that sort of stuff if you are about to have one of these sexual encounters and you're worried about the bag uh, or the activity going on uh, when you're about to have sex. And then finally, I want to talk about um, going back to what I said before about the, the garments and the clothing that you can wear if you do want to cover up the bag. Again, if you don't want the bag flapping around or if you're in a situation where you are meeting someone for the first time and you are not entirely comfortable telling them that you have a stoma, there are certain garments and clothes that you can wear that will cover up the bag so that you can have these encounters or these sexual activities and the bag is completely hidden. Now, I guess the most easiest thing to, to mention is the fact that any camisole or singlet top or tight-fitting t-shirt can be worn over the bag if you're concerned about the bag moving. So plenty of people have sex with clothing on. If that's something that concerns you, if you've got a tight t-shirt or something that you can pop on that simply holds the bag a little bit better in place, like a singlet top or a cami, by all means, wear that. It can certainly uh, make you feel more comfortable and it can keep the bag out of the way long enough for you to enjoy sexual practice. Now, the great thing about uh, us here in Australia is that through the technology that's been put into all of the bags and accessories and products that are available, on the Ostomy Appliance Scheme over here in Australia, you can get what we call Ostomy Support Garments. Now, they are technically designed for prolapse and hernia prevention, but certain types of these garments can be used as a waistband to cover up the bag. And these are particularly useful during sex. So you can get waistbands that you either pull on a bit like a, how would I describe it? Like, you know, the maternity belly bands that you can pull on. There are um, hernia support garments or waistbands that are available on the stoma appliance scheme 
here in Australia or purchasable in uh, whichever other country you're listening from that you can pull on over your waist, cover up the bag, but it still obviously exposes the lower part of your body. So if you're not comfortable with your bag showing and you want it to be well stuck down to your body or out of the way or not visible, these waistbands are really helpful. You can get them in the pull-on version, as I said. They also come in a wraparound belt or a wraparound garment that's held together with Velcro. If that's something that you'd feel more comfortable in, you can certainly use that alternate type of garment as well. But whichever the case, they're designed to hold the bag to your body and they will be out of the way. They are unisex, so both men and women can wear these waistbands. And if the the hernia support garments are a bit too tight fitting for you and you want something more for sexual relationships and, and intimacy where you want it to be just that little bit more comfortable and a bit looser, you can certainly go and get these waistbands from the maternity section in many of your department stores. So a lot of them have, they're called belly bands and a lot of them are worn for pregnant ladies um, when they can't get their pants done up or if they need abdominal support after having a child you can get them from the department stores as well so you can look that up you can either look for hernia support waistbands wraparound belts Um, the other term that I've looked at is what we call an intimacy wrap and I'm going to tell you about a YouTube uh, channel that I want you to have a look at and subscribe to because there's a fantastic girl that talks about them on here but in the USA there is a uh, product uh, under the website called Ostomy Secrets and it's an intimacy wrap so particularly for women it is a lace waist belt that you can put on that actually has a pocket for your pouch to sit in and you can wear that intimacy wrap as a waistband um, for sexual encounters Um, and it's really pretty it's nice and lacy and that will certainly do the trick um, at keeping the bag out of the way and uh, inconspicuous if you don't want it to be seen there's also bodysuits that you can wear, a lace teddy. Um, there's definitely certain uh, lingerie ranges that you can wear that will uh, be very tasteful but also keep the bag hidden and out of the way. So you can search for those online. Now, when I talk about um, these wraparound belts, there becomes a bit of a conflict because some people ask me, well, if I'm having sex with somebody that uh, is new, they're going to wonder why I'm wearing a weird waistband and that means that I'm going to have to tell them about the bag. So in those cases, we've come up with a scenario and I know it's going to sound really strange, but the idea of crotchless pants is also an option for people who want to keep their bag hidden or inconspicuous. It's both a slightly sexy perhaps a little bit of a kinky option for people but if you're wanting to truly hide the bag instead of a wraparound waist belt which might indicate that you're covering something up around your waist the idea of crotchless pants can be an option for you instead of the waistband now i did something really stupid and funny and i of course got onto google and searched for crotchless underwear for the purposes solely of looking in the interests of people with a stoma, so finding some proper underwear that was crotchless so you could pull it up so it's high-waisted, you could pull it up over the pouch. Now, the results that I came up with were (laughs) slightly less than desirable. I ended up looking at pictures of ridiculous lace panties that were like threads, um, which weren't going to cover anything in particular. But what I did find was two different sites, and they're both from Etsy. If you've ever heard of Etsy, it's E-T-S-Y. That's like a craft and arts 
page where people sell their wares and their goods, there was two pages on there that actually came up with some fabulous results. And the underwear that they produce is both crotchless and high-waisted. And their underwear looked really super tasteful. It looked like it was comfortable and you could pull it up over the bag and keep it covered. So the first place I found on Etsy was uh, actually a Latvian-based site. Um, and it's under the name of Baltic Miss N. So B for Bob, A-L-T-I-C-M-I-S-S-N. Now that's a worldwide uh, page. They ship to worldwide. But if you have a look at um, crotchless underwear on the Etsy page under Baltic Miss, you're going to find some really nice um, sensible examples of crotchless underwear. It's not like your lacy fitted underwear with the terrible string of pearls where the crotch is meant to be. Ew. Um, it's actually proper underwear that has been modified or designed um, to be crotchless so that you can wear proper high-waisted underwear in a brief style underwear that actually has the crotch missing. And that's a really practical option for people, especially those with a stoma, if you wanted to try that. The other site, which is also on Etsy, is a UK-based site, and that is under Premier Lingerie. If you look up Premier Lingerie under Crotchless Briefs on Etsy, that will come up with another page with another person who actually produces those underwear. So they're the two Etsy pages that I found that have really nice, tasteful, high-waisted crotchless briefs that you may find that you want to explore or maybe try one and see if that makes you feel more confident in the bedroom when you have a stoma. So there, some of the clothing tips and tricks that I can recommend to you if you want to give them a try in order to cover up the bag or make it a little bit more inconspicuous. Now I say all this, but I do want to reiterate to you that I'm all for being confident in the bedroom. If you've got a bag or you've got a stoma and you are confident in your body and confident in yourself and you are happy to experiment with a partner um, in the bedroom, then by all means, get the bag out there. If the bag truly doesn't bother either of you, then go for it. There is no reason why your sex life should be altered in any way if the both of you are open and confident with the fact that you have a bag. As long as you are expressing yourself in a way that is consensual and happy and positive for the both of you, then there's no reason why you shouldn't have a happy and healthy sex life, bag or no bag. Okay, so before we wrap up this episode on sex and living with a stoma, I'm just going to give you some really practical, helpful hints and tips. So starting with women, for women who are having a bit of difficulty with sexual function after surgery, again, if you're experiencing vaginal dryness or if you are perhaps not feeling confident or having difficulty getting aroused, you can experience vaginal dryness. And this is where personal lubricants or water-based lubricants come in really, really handy. They can just help you through those initial stages if you experience that dryness, which can make sex quite uncomfortable and quite painful. In extreme cases, hormone creams or even vaginal suppositories can be used or prescribed if it's an ongoing problem. Depending on the reason um, for the dryness, you can talk to your doctor about um, different creams or suppositories that can help with vaginal dryness. If intercourse is particularly uncomfortable or you're experiencing discomfort during certain positions, as I mentioned before, feel free to try different positions. Sometimes positional changes can change the direction of the vaginal canal and it can relieve some of that discomfort. So feel free to experiment with different positions. And of course, if the pain and discomfort becomes severe, 
Do not continue because you feel that you have to. You can certainly stop and try again at a time that feels comfortable, right and safe for you. Now, you may not achieve climax the first time you have sex after having stoma surgery, and that's okay. There's a lot of things going on with the body and the mind that can prevent you from relaxing enough to actually achieve orgasm in these cases. Don't feel like that's going to be the case forever. With persistence and patience, you can actually get back to normal sexual function in many, many cases and lead a very fulfilling sex life after stoma surgery. Some helpful hints for gentlemen who happen to have a stoma in certain sexual positions. So say if you're side lying, for gentlemen, try and lay on the side that doesn't have your pouch. So lay on the um, pouch-free side of your abdomen. That can help prevent any issues surrounding squishing the bag or being worried about the bag being in the way. So lay on the non-bag side to give you the freedom to move as you need to do. Um, You can consider wearing, say, uh, for instance, another waistband, like I mentioned earlier, a wraparound belt. They're all available online or even um, basically like a cummerbund style wrap if you want the bag up and out of the way to prevent the pouch from, you know, moving around and getting in the way. Wear briefs or boxes um, where you have the opening in the crotch. If you want to cover up the bag or if you don't want uh, the bag moving around, you can get certain boxes and briefs that will cover that pouch for you that still have penile access um, so that you don't have to take your underwear off completely to get into um, the sexual act. So they're also really helpful. You can have a look online for those. And many of the ostomy support briefs um, for hernia prevention also have that access pocket as well, which you may find helpful if you're a gentleman that has a stoma. Now, for for men who have issues with sexual impotence or erectile dysfunction following stoma surgery, it is important to talk to your healthcare professionals if it becomes an ongoing problem. If, um, as I mentioned earlier in the episode, you have had an operation that causes uh, permanent nerve damage and you no longer have the ability to maintain an erection, there are in certain cases certain treatments and surgeries that can be done to uh, restore sexual function. Even so far as operations like the artificial penile prosthesis, um, which is an operation that some people opt for if they want to maintain healthy sexual function but have lost the ability to regain erections because of their surgery, which has damaged the nerves permanently. They are options that you can discuss with a specialist or a surgeon if that is a concern for you. Otherwise, if you haven't had nerve sparing operations but you're finding that you are still experiencing erectile dysfunction, you can also talk to your health professionals about ways to to stimulate the nerves and to be able to achieve sexual function um, that don't require surgery. A lot of the time it can be a confidence issue. You need to make sure that your partner is confident um, as well as yourself before you can start to feel good enough um, to be sexually aroused and perform properly in a sexual way. Now I do want to talk about the LGBTQA community because you are not exempt from having stomas. A stoma surgery can happen to anybody from young and old, gay, straight, male, female, you name it. Stoma surgery can happen to anybody. So ostomy surgery affects people of all sexual orientations and gender identities. So when I spoke earlier Um, about removal of the rectum and closing of the anus, this can present a challenge for some people with an ileostomy or a colostomy. 
And so in these cases, other methods of sexual penetration or sexual pleasuring need to be discussed with somebody and they also need to be researched because it is just as important for you to have a healthy and comfortable sex life just as anybody else would. And I want to reiterate to you that people who go on to have, um, like I said, an APR surgery uh, where sexual penetration is no longer warranted in that area, there are other ways of pleasuring each other. And these are things like mutual masturbation, oral sex and oral pleasure. If that is what you become limited to, then embrace that by all means. There are certainly other ways to lead um, a very successful sex life if you are a gay person, particularly a gay man, where anal penetration is no longer an option for you. So it's important to talk about that and discuss that with the people that you are close to. Now, the um, here in Australia, we don't actually have or I couldn't find any gay or lesbian um, or LGBTQA sites limited to Australia that support gay people who have a stoma in these instances. However, um, there are some really great sites overseas and in America. The GLO, which is the Gay Lesbian Ostomate Network, is available online for support. And they have um, sessions at uh, over in America. They have face-to-face sessions. But there is a lot of forums that you can head to online from gay people who live with a stoma and the healthy and satisfying relationships that they have um, that don't preclude them from having a really happy sex life. So I want to encourage that because I don't want you to feel like having a stoma is the absolute end to your sex life. So there is support from the LGBTQA community if that is a concern for you. If anybody does know of any communities or available um, uh, gay and lesbian communities for ostomy support in Australia, please feel free to comment uh, in the YouTube video of it and uh, let me know because I would be really keen to hear about your experiences and and how you've been helped um, as a gay person living with a stoma and how you've overcome the challenges of that. Now, there's also sexual function for people who suffer from spinal cord injury. So it's common for people who have um, spinal cord injuries to have a stoma. Sometimes they have two stomas, depending on what the reason is for those operations. Now, ostomy surgery um, gives people control over the bladder and the bowel. So some people opt to have those surgeries as opposed to having to get themselves on and off the toilet frequently, which can become significantly difficult for these people. So for a person who is wheelchair bound, Um, Sometimes sexual activity has some limitations, whether or not they have sexual function or not. But some people do experience a really satisfying sex life when they are partially paralyzed or if they live in a wheelchair or have a spinal cord injury. So spinal cord injured or wheelchair bound people should absolutely discuss the ability to participate in sex as well as alternative methods of giving and receiving sexual pleasure. Again, like I mentioned, there is mutual masturbation, there is visual aspects to sex, there is, um, you know, oral sex. Sex does not have to be penetrative for it to be enjoyable. And so I encourage people to have these conversations with their partners to explore different ways of having a really good sex life with a stoma. Now, at the very end of this all, I just wanted to mention to you earlier, I talked about a YouTube video 
jump onto YouTube and look up Hannah Witten. Hannah Witten is a girl over in the UK, I believe, who lives with a stoma. She has a video log on YouTube that talks all about sex and sex with a stoma and sex from a female perspective, everything to do with sex. Um, it is a great channel to subscribe to if you want some helpful hints and tips. She is very honest and she is very open about the fact that she is a young person who leads a very happy um wonderful sex life with a very loving partner. So I encourage you to jump onto her site. It's Hannah Witten, W-H-I-T-T-O-N, and have a look at some of her videos because she talks very candidly about pretty much everything that I've spoken to you about today. And as a nurse, I sometimes don't get to see people after their operations when they do eventually get to the point where they want to talk about sex. Sometimes it can be a bit hard to get back in touch with a stoma nurse. I always encourage people to get back in touch if they do have questions about sex or if things change and then unsure about their sex life or what their options are, by all means, always get in touch with your stoma nurse or a health professional that you feel comfortable with. All right, time for some Q&A, some questions and answers. One of the questions I do get asked is in regards to um, sex with a stoma. When we talk about these episodes and sex with a stoma, I do not mean having sex literally with a stoma because I do get asked yes oddly enough I do get asked and it's like a weird wives tale that people go oh does that actually happen please under no circumstances do you put anything into a stoma for the purposes of sexual gratification the person with the stoma cannot feel anything going into the stoma and inserting anything into the stoma that's not for medical purposes can in fact cause damage to the very delicate mucosa inside the bowel used to create that stoma sexual penetration of stomas under any circumstances is not advised. I know that we are all curious little beings and we do like to experiment and push the limits um, a little bit, but please do not put things into the stoma. It does not provide anything enjoyable for any party, no matter the circumstances. So there you go. There's my fun fact uh, for this episode of the Ostomy Nurse Project. Next question. What about butt stuff or what about anal sex? If you are curious about anal sex, um, it depends largely on the type of operation that you've had. So if you have had, say, for instance, a urostomy surgery, so you've had a bladder removed, but your bowel hasn't been touched, um, you have a healthy rectum in place, there's no issues with the lower part of the bowel, then by all means, that should be all well and good and normal. The same thing if you've had um, bowel operations or bowel resections that have resulted in a stoma that are not near the end, um, so involving the anus or the rectum, then you should be fine to undertake those practices. Where you should avoid anal penetration are things like, obviously, for an APR, because there is no bottom. You will be fighting a losing battle there because there will be nothing to insert into. So you cannot have anal sex, obviously, with an abdominoperineal resection because the entire bottom and anus gets removed and stitched shut. If you are unsure as to whether um, anal sex is an option for you, discuss it with your surgeon or discuss it with your stoma nurse because depending on your operation, if you have got a healthy portion of your rectum connected, it may be an option for you. But always proceed with caution because even people who have got a rectum left over, it gets stapled off at the top in many cases. So there, there is a portion of rectum, but then it just gets closed off at the very top, which is what we call the rectal stump. 
Now, certain practices or, or if you're very soon after your operation, if you've still got healing to go, it may not be advisable to insert anything in there. And look, it may be particularly uncomfortable and you won't want to do it anyway. But if you are curious about whether it's still an option for you, I do advise you to get in touch with your doctor or your stoma nurse who can talk to you about the options if that's something that you do want to explore. But in general, if the anus or the rectum hasn't been touched as a result of your stoma operation, feel free to proceed uh, as you wish, if you're comfortable with it, by all means. So that's it. If you like what you've listened to today, as usual, per my normal spiel, you can jump online. You can leave a comment if you listen to us on YouTube. You can rate us on Spotify or Podbean and mention it to your friends that you've listened to the Ostomino's Project episode all about sex and intimacy. Not really, not if you don't want to. Point them in the direction of the podcast. We are coming to you from down under, just like where your sexually healthy and happy little stoma is. Chat next time. Bye. Thank <laughs> you.